Welcome to your story, everyone. So first off, before we continue into this episode, I want to first off apologize for the delay in the new episode. Um, you know, it's hard juggling both a podcast and a really demanding full-time job and just everything else, but we are here, we are getting it done, and so let's just move forward, right? Um... I do want to give you all a few updates of a big life update, actually, that has taken place since the last episode. Um, I have gotten engaged. Yay! Which was pretty exciting. Happened during uh, Pride Month in June. And so, yeah, that's a... Well, we'll have to have an episode on that. We'll bring back uh, Christopher and kind of talk about all of that. So, more to come on that story. But I just wanted to share that because you all are amazing and I have to share my life. So um, with that, um, let's talk about this week's episode. So um, we have as a guest this week, a good friend of mine, uh, Marcy Blackwell. She's a friend who's uh, pretty involved here in the theater scene in Austin. So uh, we got to sit down with her a couple of months ago and I hope you enjoy this interview uh, as much as we enjoyed doing it. Thanks. Welcome to this week's episode of Yo Soy. I'm sitting here today in my house with Marcy, a good friend. How are you doing, Marcy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good, good, good. So I wanted to jump in really quickly so people can get to know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in Austin? I always ask people that. I moved to Austin in 2015. 2015? Okay, so a few years ago. Yeah. Same year I did, actually. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to school in San Marcos before that. Oh, right. So I've been in the central Texas area since like 2010. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And so what did you study? I got my BFA in acting at Texas State. Yeah. Some acting skills there. Yes. That's fantastic. And so. Um, how has the area kind of changed a little bit since, you know, we've been here now nine years, right? Like, in there. oh my goodness. Even I San mean, Marcos, I know. I know. I mean, I feel like I have more of an idea of what's happening with San Marcos than with Austin. Cause I right. feel like even when I was still in high school, Austin was in those top 10 lists of best up and coming, coolest cities to move to in, in America. Right. And I'm like 17 or 18 and in um in 2009 2008 uh-huh. so i feel like austin was already kind of big on everyone's radar so i would imagine that austin was probably very different oh 100% yeah but for san marcos i mean yeah i <laughs> a lot of instances at least of small businesses being closed down down for the sake of high-rise student living and stuff like that san marcos has a super special place in my heart though it's so sweet well even now i mean we were there maybe a a year ago not a year ago yeah a year ago now where things just did not look the same even Mm -hmm. in in a year you know and so i I mentioned that with cheetah daniels on another podcast Mm -hmm. episode and she was like it's so different every day it's different every day. I think that maybe when I first moved there, there was one place to get sushi, and there's probably <laughs> that is how now. That is how you can decide yeah. of a place. How many places can you get sushi? Oh, you know, because it's just like, 
there's probably the majority of small towns in America. It's like no, you have to travel thirty minutes or an right. hour to the next big town if you want to have sushi. Well, but, that, now right. poke bowls. Yeah. I mean, I that was new to me. I don't even know I what the hell my, that was. I had my first poke bowl, poke, pokey, pokey whatever or it is. poke. Y'all, everyone, write to us and let us know what what what's the right way. I had my first one. Um, where is this? By the Trader Joe's downtown. Okay. At one of those places. Okay, I think I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I feel like that's what's... Up and coming? Up and coming yeah. and cool. Maybe sushi is so been there, done I was gonna that. Say, I don't know. <laughs> we're talking old school now. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so what what drew you to acting? What what um, Why did you want to go to school for your BFA? I mean, if I, when I was 18, I think that... I was really just trying to think about, well, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Nothing ev- nothing else really appeals to me. I was always a good student and I did well in school, but in terms of just like, like, well, what do I actually enjoy doing? What gets me excited? Right. Going into theater was really the only thing. Right. So it was more of just... And thankfully, I think that my parents or my mom never really put too much pressure on me to to be, no, you have to be only practical, nothing else. Oh, right. I mean, that's so thankful. I mean, not the fact, not that she was irresponsible and said, go be a clown and right. everything else will fall into place. <laughs> but even if you're a but... clown, I mean, it's <laughs> that's what you love, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go well, to clowning school, man. Well, because she's artistic and I come from a pretty, like, arts-loving family. So the fact yeah. that I was excited to do theater and get my degree in theater because, well, that's what I like to do. Right. So that's why I did it. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always chose, I chose between theater and politics. And so I chose politics. Yeah. But in hindsight, sometimes I'm like, damn it, I should have done theater instead. Because at the end of the day, you're doing different things, you know? And I don't know. I think that politics was a good choice as well. (laughs) Theater (laughs) politics are very similar, you know? I guess so. With these clown acts and... In DC. I, I, I can't know. even. I, I can't, can't even. even. I can't. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. I don't I know, want to. I know. <laughs> so, tell me, how would you then? Would you identify yourself as an artist, right? Or I mean, that's a weird question. I'm sure. <laughs> In my deep heart of hearts, if I'm gonna be very true with myself, right. if I'm like you, tap inside and you think of like your child self or something right. like that. The answer is yes. <laughs> I think that for most, the majority of the time when I'm just doing my thing, going to work, coming home, it is really easy to just kind of get stuck in the day-to-day of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just survival mode, just work mode. And trying um, to find time or carve out time for the yeah. art, for the passion as well, right? Totally. I think that especially post-college, um, there was such a huge amount of pressure to do things right. Like, all right. right, you have your degree in arts now. Well, time for you to figure it out and move to L.A. or New York. And if you didn't, that means that you were, oh, just put it up on the shelf then. It was, it's just a diploma that's going to gather dust. You're not really going to use it for anything. Right. Or something like that. Or maybe just um, 
with any kind of arts degree, I feel like there's this perception that you you were young and foolish, you got a degree in art, as soon as you graduate, you're going to realize that, oh, well, now I'm an accountant and I had a degree in photography or something like that. But it's a good accountant uh, uh, impression. impression. That's what <laughs> it was like, that's pretty good. Every that's accountant. What, that's what they all sound that's like. <laughs> but I... I'd like to think that I don't put too much pressure on myself or at least to set myself up for failure or where you feel like if I'm not doing this, this, and this, and this, this means I'm not an artist. It's those societal expectations too. Like kind of like, oh, we think that this is what you need to do, right? And this Mm is, you know, your next step or the next step. And it's Mm -hmm. always what's next as opposed to living in the now and the happiness yeah. of what you're doing. You know? Especially after college. Um, it It's everything is because I graduated 2014. Uh, from that point to now, it's all just kind of been a gradual process of figuring out what to do with myself so that I'm happy. I feel like I was my most depressed whenever I graduated. And that was just sort of an uphill slog. Right to just be okay I suppose so and I was still doing art all the while theater here and there but you know it's those voices I think that we have in our heads of like okay what's next like to your point of Mm -hmm. like what's next well you have to do this everyone else is doing it like you have like oh and that's and that's crazy yeah 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 though that critical voice in your head is so deceptive because Mm -hmm. the thing is even if you probably did check all the boxes oh i went out and i did all the things i said that i was going to do to reach the destination of successful artist even if you did do all those things that future version of yourself is probably going to be telling you but still not enough right so you have to acknowledge the fact that there's always going to be you know this voice in your head that's hypercritical or, um, you know. Right. There's always a voice in your head that's going to say things. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're listening to a podcast, there's, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> it was like ready for a dad joke. And then I was like, got to grab it. I'm glad that you did. <laughs> I think you had Such to. a supportive environment here. Thank you. You know. That's I all I to. want. That's <laughs> I all I want. To. Had to. So... Tell me a little bit about identity then, because I, I know it's something we had talked about of, you know, how does one identify, I, it's taken me a long time to say, I'm like proud, say Latino and mm-hmm. gay came out a few years ago. So mm-hmm. what when I say identity, what does that mean to you? It's funny because in my hometown, I felt like, I was the white kid in a city of Mexicans because mm-hmm. Brownsville is a border town. Majority of the population is Mexican. I felt, at least when I was a kid, I felt like I had a tiny bit of an outsider complex because everyone else around me speaks Spanish. I don't know how to speak Spanish. Why wasn't I taught to speak Spanish? Come on, mom and dad, why didn't you teach me? Or stuff right, like that. Yeah. Um, and then moving away to a place that's now predominantly white, 
I feel I feel like moving away from the valley, it let it really led me to believe or led me to realize, oh no, hell yeah, I am Mexican. Right. My mom is Mexican. I look white. I don't appear Mexican, right. I would say, but um at least in the ways that it matters, if I can vote or if I can put my efforts towards making sure that Mexican Americans aren't marginalized right. or demonized or treated like illegal aliens. Right, right. I mean, I know what side of the cause that I fall on. You well, know what and, I mean? and I think the other piece, because both of us are lighter skinned Mexicans mm-hmm. and, and colorism plays a huge role in the racism in, you know, in our mm-hmm. country. And so I, yeah, I, I always, I think one story I always told people was, I had never really experienced blatant racism, mm-hmm. right? Until I went to a uh, store and I had a shirt that said Echo in Mexico. Oh my goodness. Right? And I was with my bo- both of my parents and we were in like a department store shopping for like a suit for me, right? In college. Yeah. And I remember thinking and, and I saw this like guy in the suit section we go, hey, how are you doing? Do you need anything help? How can I help you? Really friendly. Mm-hmm. And then we walked by in that aisle hoping, oh, maybe he'll reach out and then say a word. He just literally just stood there and kind of watched us and made sure like we didn't take anything or whatnot. Oh and I remember thinking like, I literally put it on a shirt today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was able to say, Echo in Mexico and here are my two darker skinned parents and mm-hmm. And I was like, that is the norm for a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, of like just the color of your skin or it's blows my mind. Honestly, it's sort of like, I think it's so much more. Again, when I, my hometown, everyone around me is Mexican. That's the norm. Right. And I had a total culture shock, honestly, when I moved to San Marcos and you go to H-E-B and everyone around you looks totally different. Right. It's honestly just a sea of white, white people. people. Right. And it's funny because I I look like them. Right. I don't look Mexican in the stereotypical way right. or like I'm not a person of color, you know? So, but it was just funny, I think, to have that shift. It, well, and even, even in different ways too, I'll even say like growing up for me, I always went by Alex. Mm-hmm. Like, I anglified my name and was like, I'm Alex. It's Alex. Alex, Alex, Alex. All through college yeah. until I moved to Austin. And then I was like, no. No. I'm Alejandro. And that's what I'm going to go by. And that's my name. Don't you forget it. Like, that's what, yeah. <laughs> you know. And it took that journey of, like, embracing yourself in the sea of whiteness you know yeah yeah (laughs) especially if sometimes i'm in conversations with people and i feel like that's the thing about if you don't have a personal connection to it it's so easy to dismiss what's going on with other folks or people in marginalized communities communities. like oh it's the other it's the other or there are stories headlines about the border whatever right but It's been funny the small times or the few times when I've been in conversations, people are talking about it like it's a news story, no personal connection. And for me, it's like, no, Planned Parenthood's 
directly affect the people in my community in the valley, those are the women that are now going to have to travel all the way to San Antonio if they need Planned Parenthood services or, I mean, yeah, it's definitely in my heart and right. it's what I care about because it's my family and yeah. it's where I'm from. You still so, have a lot of family still down there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And do you visit often or... I try to go back How at least... How far away is it from Austin? Like, how many hours? Brownsville is a five and a half hour drive. Okay. It's a long drive. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty long drive. It is. I had a roommate in college who was from Paris, Texas. Mm-hmm. We were both in San Marcos. <clears throat> and Paris, Texas is five and a half hours north of San Marcos. Oh, okay. So we were just... Totally in going the middle. To- oh, yeah, wow. just going totally different directions. But wow. yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you have you felt like your identity maybe has evolved through the time? Like that shift from going from living in Brownsville to mm-hmm. now you know the valley to living in Austin and um, in San Marcos. Yeah, I think that it was a really like dumb kid thing. It's a kid thing. Whenever you feel like you're not like when you don't fit in. Everyone else has something in common that you don't have. Where for me, when I was a kid in Brownsville, it was that I didn't speak Spanish, but everyone else did. It was kind of, I mean, I look at back at it now because the thing is, there's no such thing as white privilege. There's no such thing at, what am I saying? There's no such thing as reverse racism. <laughs> say, uh, my Scratch that. <laughs> I was like, we're going to have to unpack this. All right. No, all right. No. I meant to say, you're going to scratch that. Yeah, we're oh going to we'll edit all that out. <laughs> There's no such thing as reverse racism. Reverse racism. Or see, not seeing color. Or not that, seeing right. color or anything like that. And it's just funny because I remember feeling like, oh man, here I am in a town. I don't know Spanish. Why didn't my te- why didn't my parents teach me Spanish? Mm-hmm. I feel like people look, look judge me for not knowing Spanish or something like that. Right. In the grand scheme of things, feeling judged for not knowing Spanish in my hometown is so small, I guess, in comparison to how things are. But maybe. yeah, I I'll say this because I grew up in Florida, predominantly Latino community, and. Mm-hmm. Everyone in in that area spoke Spanish, right? And so when I moved mm-hmm. here, I thought everyone was going to speak Spanish. Like, if okay. you're Latino, most likely you're going to be speaking Spanish because that's yeah. how I grew up, right? Like, every, it was safe to assume. Yeah. Um, but that's not the case, and it's because of the history of Texas, like, uh-huh. of the families that were told not to speak Spanish, and then they never yeah. shared it with their f- kids, because yeah. they didn't want them to deal with it yeah. in schools, and so now we're in a different time period, and it, it's yeah. fascinating to see the history My mom was a little girl, went to a Catholic school, and the nuns would would basically um, whack her hands with a ruler if she was speaking Spanish in class. Right. So that's pretty crazy. Right. That's nuts. Um, And that's what, like, you know, your parents, that generation, did, like, grew up with. And, like, mm -hmm. oh, we're never teaching our kids Spanish. So they assimilate. Yeah. Quicker. Which is, you know... It's a choice that they made, and a lot of people uh-huh. did. And so I, coming to Texas and realizing, oh, wow, a lot of people don't speak Spanish because of that history. I feel like I've also encountered folks, too, um, who get offended, at least. Um, if they, 
if you're a Mexican or you have like a like a Spanish last name and you don't know Spanish or when people like make an assumption that you know Spanish uh-huh. and you start talking to them in Spanish and they almost get offended like mm-hmm. you're making assumptions about me based on my appearance or based on my name right I don't know maybe there might be some sort of well and I think part of it too it might be the fact that like, because I made an assumption that people here spoke Spanish, like, uh-huh. you know, I'm like, oh, that's what people do, you know, and then yeah. realized there's a lot more complexities, I think, is the mm-hmm. key thing to remember, remember. Yeah, totally. Of all of it. So then, where do you see yourself um, in your acting style, in your theater? Mm-hmm. Um, is it something that you're still pursuing right now and doing? Uh are there any projects that are coming up? No, unfortunately. No. Um, I am looking into doing auditions. I'm That's getting awesome. back. I am. I'm getting back in it mode. Yeah. Last year was get the big girl job. Right. Get better employment, and that right. job basically consumed a lot of my energy and time and it didn't feel entirely possible to add theater on top of that but now that I have the job a couple of months under my belt I feel like now I I feel better about it I have like maybe more bandwidth to take on things outside that's Mm -hmm. awesome what is what what um type of is there a type of theater that you're really uh like you gravitate towards what are some of your passions I guess in within that I want to tell original stories. I would like to tell and be a part of stories that are maybe written by women. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love the chance to do something comedic. I mean, the way that I see it now, I just want to work with interesting, talented people. Yeah. There's such a vast um, theater scene here in Austin. Yeah. That and there's so many folks that I haven't met. Right. You know? It continues to grow too, and mm-hmm. new people. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think there's a lack of um, women representation in theater pieces in either well in town or in general? I think that there's a lot of folks that are putting a lots of individual effort and they see maybe that there's a lack, but there's a lot of maybe just independently right. created theater. Um, like for instance, um, Theater Synesthesia is a theater company that I've been a part of um, since 2013 now. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently did last play that they did was an original play um female playwright majority woman cast um with an executive producer air america archer as well so there's definitely a lot of creative creative like driven people in the community that awesome. want those stories to be told right, right, right. for sure and i think at this point it's more of we're not going to wait for the opportunity to be given to us we have to kind of make it ourselves right yeah yeah and i think that's the task that's given to the artist right like, mm-hmm. to, if it's not there to create something mm-hmm. right totally so what are there are you more, do you like in the realm of theater, more of the acting part, directing? Um, I know you've kind of done 
A little bit. I mean, you've directed some stuff, right? Oh, more just student-directed things, really. Nothing out in the industry or out where people could pay a ticket some to go see it. Um, No, I'm. But even then, I feel like there must there might be a passion for that, right? Even if you haven't done it yet. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. (laughs) No, totally, totally. I feel like any time that I had an opportunity to direct, it was one of the more challenging things mm-hmm. that I'd ever had to do. Uh-huh. But it was also super gratifying yeah. when I feel like things went well or when an idea finally clicked or when progress was finally made. So I definitely enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'd say at this point, um, I'm more focused on the acting side of things right. i just want to get in rooms with people and you know just partake in that collaborative and finding that that balance right like mm-hmm. oh how how do i p- provide for myself while also doing the thing i love that's yeah always i think the struggle <laughs> story of my life man. i know yeah. it's like how do i do this and that at the same time yeah honestly and i've tried to be I've tried to be super gracious and patient with myself just to say, hey, it's okay if you prioritize something else right now. Right. You know what I mean? I feel like... Even prioritizing yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's kind of this idea that you must not really want it if you're not putting your artistic pursuits in front of everything else or if it's not something that you i don't know um think about constantly um go without eating because of it i don't know you know the 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 over glorification maybe of kind of like the oh Oh. the starving artist and you have to starve and you have to exactly you you really don't care it's like have you lived in your car yet have you really really given it all up yet to Uh i don't know i (laughs) i am for myself with my upbringing it's survival is so important to me a sense of security is very important to me so i'm not gonna right myself for that no 100 percent. and i don't think anyone is placing an expectation on me either right like oh you know marcy why hasn't she started living in her car? That's like no one, that's not a story that anyone is telling themselves besides some kind of narrative in my head of right. what would what would 18 year old Marcy think of herself now that she's 27? Right. You know? Right. Well, well, well here's a question I, I like to ask a lot on, on this podcast is um, not exactly this way, but what would 27 year old Marcy tell her 18 year old or younger self? Oh my Marcy? gosh. Um, hormonal birth control will make you feel insane. <laughs> they will try to downplay it, but it will make you feel insane. So know that it's the hormones and it's not you. There we go. Yeah. Words um, of advice right there. Then. Words of advice. Uh-huh. Words of advice. Um, yeah. Just that it's okay to feel a lot of things. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. Please be kind to yourself, you know? Why yeah. Why is that one of the hardest things for people, for us in general, to do, you know? I mean, 
if you were asking my therapist, <laughs> um, they, she would say that when you grow up and maybe there are circumstances within your family that makes you believe that I have to fix this. I have to take care of this. But obviously you're a kid and you don't really have the capacity to affect change within your own family. You're kind of at the mercy of your, you know, parental units. So at that point in time, your brain just becomes super, I'm going to fix things. My behavior can totally affect, I don't know, the outcome of this when at the time you feel a lot of it is out of your control. Right. So I think it starts at a very, so to answer your question. Right. I was like, I was like, damn, she's going to try to go and answer it. Go, go, Marcy. (laughs) I mean, it's a cliche. What I have come to do is try to, I feel like there's a cliche and it's linked to shame where you have to be honest with yourself and say, oh, well, it all started in my childhood Mm -hmm. or it's my relationship with my dad. It's my relationship with my mom. And I feel like when you feel ashamed about that, because isn't that everyone's story? Everyone had a hard childhood. Why can't you just get over it? Your childhood wasn't even that hard. Right. Da, 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 da. All of that also is kind of just putting yourself down as well mm-hmm. and not helping you out either. Right. So, yeah, you know. I know. It's. I think we, to that point, we set our very high expectations for ourselves as mm-hmm. well and like what you said earlier that's always more well what's next what's what else haven't you you haven't didn't get this you got that but Mm -hmm. you still have to do this like Mm -hmm. that constant uh pushing of yourself yeah i'm i feel like i'm trying my best to know that that voice will never really go away it's a part of being human right so it's more just about noticing it right and saying mm-hmm. no voice i have other things i'm you know like yeah. i'm loving myself today voice in my head you know exactly or it's like hey i hear you i know right now you're just trying to take care of me right. you are just trying to <laughs> assess all of the risks and make sure that i don't get in a shit situation it's like but Honestly, you can relax. I got mm, this. Right. It's just that mode that's like in hyper overprotective mode. I'm not even sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're running out of time, but my one of my last questions um, <laughs> is where do you, what, what what do you see yourself in like five years? I know that's like, a, like an interview question, uh. but what do you, oh yeah, it's one of those questions where I like love and hate at the same time, you know? Well, I will be thinking out loud because I don't necessarily know the answer to right. that question. Right, yes, that's what I, oh, yes. Hopefully, oh, and here's my mind, hopefully out of debt. I don't know, something I'm super. On, you know, that is a fantastic answer. We are literally, remember everyone, we are a generation that is like, Burden with debt. I just... So, <laughs> yes, that is my goal, too. In five years, I will have hoped to have gone to Europe. Have you been? I haven't. Oh, you need to go. I need to go. You would love it. I, um... I would, in five years' time, I would like to know that 
they I have had some sort of artistic project under my belt that I had a bit more authorship in. Uh-huh. If it was writing it, directing it, something that I can call my own or something that I felt like I really had um, a hand in yeah. creating. Because on one hand, I love the collaborative process. I love being in the theater process and everyone sit, standing in the room is all has one goal in mind, all trying to do the thing. Um, but if I was being honest with myself, I think that I would really just want to have something that you can, has my name on it and yeah. that I can call my own and that a story that I told. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Marcy, for sitting down with me and chatting. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank of course. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Your Soy. Now, don't forget to click on the subscribe button so that you can stay up to date with every future episode. And also, special thanks to our composer of our theme music, Logan Castro, and most importantly, you, the listener. So follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Yo Soy Podcast. And remember, el amor es lo más importante en el mundo. Gracias.